welcome uh, and welcome back uh, to some of you. And just a quick recap from last week in terms of if you weren't here. So we're looking at the book of Jonah, uh, four short chapters, and God was called by Jonah to preach to Nineveh, uh, a big city in Assyria, quite some distance away. Uh, he ran in completely the opposite direction, uh, down to Tarshish, got on a boat in Joppa and wanted to sail to Tarshish, which I think is in Spain, uh, completely diametrically opposed directions. But God had other plans, caused a great storm to come up on the sea. The sailors threw Jonah overboard, the sea became calm, God sent a big fish to swallow Jonah. That's chapter one in 30 seconds. And we looked at some of the things, we looked at themes, we had a bit, bit of a look at the historical background, and then the uniqueness of the book of Jonah. So Jonah is the only prophet ever to run away from God, he's the only prophet to be sent outside Israel, and in this book there aren't many prophetic oracles, he doesn't say much. Uh, to the people in terms of prophecy. He moans quite a lot to God, but in terms of prophetic oracles, he didn't say much at all, but it's still a prophetic book in the sense of we see what God is like and what God is doing. And it's, we asked ourselves a couple of questions. We asked whether we limited the grace of God. Uh, Jonah certainly did to the borders of Israel. He didn't want to see the grace of God going beyond that. And uh, we looked at the call of Jonah, and asked ourselves a question with Jonah. Is our, Jonah's theology was very orthodox, very good, very tight, uh, but his heart was without compassion. And we asked ourselves if that could ever be said of us and reflected on the fact that actually, although God sent Jonah to Nineveh to, if you like, convert uh, the Ninevites, God was as interested in converting his prophet Jonah and softening Jonah's heart, uh, those twin interests. So we move away from a focus on the pagan sailors in chapter 1 and Nineveh, which we'll get to in chapters 3 and 4, and we're right into a focus just on God and Jonah and Jonah's prayer. So let's dive in, and we're going to start at uh, verse 17 of chapter 1, page 928, and read chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From from deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. For the roots of the mountains, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So this is the bit of the story we know well and we love. Uh, If we were in Sunday school, we'll have uh, heard it a number of times. I know that Messy Church did a massive picture of Jonah and the whale, and that's still up uh, in the uh, old school room, so you're going to have a look at that later on. 
And it's a great story, isn't it? Uh, but I want to focus less on the kind of weirdness of the story and more in on Jonah's prayer. And what it can tell us about prayer, and we'll be looking at a couple of psalms as we go, and psalms that Jonah would have been familiar with. The, the Psalter, the book of Psalms, is, was the prayer book and the songbook of the Jews in the Old Testament. And it, was, it would have been Jesus' prayer book and songbook as well. And uh, I think we, we don't know it particularly well today, do we? But Jonah would have been incredibly familiar with it, and some of what he prayed would have had echoes in many of the other psalms. So let's uh, dive in and see what Jonah's got to say to us about prayer. So, firstly, verses 2 to 6, and uh, it's all, as you, as you would have heard as we read it, lots of different ideas mixed up in that. But Jonah's distress, Jonah's honesty in distress, and if, just, if you look at the first, the verses 2 to 6, he says, in my distress, talks about from the depths of the grave, which in, in uh, Hebrew is Sheol, which means the place of the dead. So he'd gone down, remember he went down to Joppa last week, he went down to the, into the bowels of the ship, and now he's gone down into the well, and he's just down, 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 away from the face of God. And he's in the deep, in verse 3, in the heart of the seas, that place of chaos and darkness. The Jewish people feared the sea because they saw it as a place of chaos and darkness. And out of the sea, God created the land, which is a place of security and structure and order. And uh, the sea was confusion and death and dark and deep, and they hated it. But that's where Jonah was. And uh, the current swirled around him. The breakers swept over him. He says in verse 4, I've been banished from your sight. So away, away, away from the face of God. And the engulfing waters threatened me, deep surrounded me, and there's even seaweed on my head. So things couldn't get much worse for Jonah. Verse 6, it sank down, and uh, the earth barred me in forever. That's what Jonah was feeling, that's what he was sensing. He knew he'd been punished for running away from God, and he knew that, humanly speaking, there was no way back at all to God for Jonah. He'd run away, God had punished him, thrown him into the sea, he was in the belly of a big fish, uh, down in, in dark and barred and hemmed in, uh, confusion and currents and breakers and seaweed, forever banished from the presence of God in a dark, dark place, in a difficult place, a place of confusion, a place of hopelessness and helplessness. And it may be that some of you know what that feels like. It may be that some of you are in that place at the moment, a, a situation maybe of crisis where you think there's no way out. Uh, where is God? I feel so far away from God. And the one thing I want you to notice about this bit of the prayer, that in distress, Jonah cried out honestly to God. I just want you to notice Jonah's honesty. In chapter one, Jonah wasn't speaking to God. God spoke to Jonah, and in chapter one, Jonah turned his back on God and essentially cut off that relationship which is what we can so often do, can't we, in times of difficulty. Things I don't understand, uh, there's so many problems, I seem to have more difficulties than others, it's just one after another, uh, like buses always coming in threes, except for me, it's sixes and nines. 
And we cut off communication from God often, don't we? And we get introspective, we start to moan and complain. But notice what Jonah did in chapter 1. He did that in chapter 2. There's a bit of coming to his senses. And he was totally undone. But instead of hiding away, he poured out his heart to God. He poured it out, whatever he was thinking. He didn't dress it up in fancy language. But there's a kind of gut-wrenching honesty and a longing for God. And he's in very, very good company in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, that, that honesty, that, that prayer out of confusion and despair. And I just want to draw our attention, uh, maybe don't turn to them, but a, a couple of, of psalms. There's, there's the most obvious psalm, Psalm 22, which is on the lips of Jesus when he's on the cross, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. So where did Jesus turn in moments of despair and difficulty? He went back to the book of Psalms and used that psalm uh, when he was um, on the cross. There's another psalm of David, Psalm 42, which we know well, we, we sing about it. And um, actually, no, it's, uh, it's the sons of Korah. It's not a David psalm. And uh, this is what they say, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And those are just two examples from the book of Psalms. There are so many more like that, where often we dress up our prayers in fancy language. We say what we think God wants to hear. But let's take a leaf out of these guys' books and be honest with God. If you're going through a rough time, if you're going through a, a time of joy, pour out your heart to God. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you were completely honest with God? Like Jonah, like Jesus, like the psalmist. So that's uh, honesty in distress, the first uh, six verses there. And we move on to hope, Jonah's hope in God, hope for deliverance. He didn't remain silent in his distress. He didn't focus in on himself, but instead he cried out to God, trusting in God's mercy, and he had hope for deliverance. So he wasn't looking at his own circumstances. He was looking beyond them. And look at verse 4, what verse 4 says. And it says, Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. I will look again towards your holy temple. He doesn't know when. He doesn't know how. But he says with absolute determination and faith, I will look again towards your holy temple. I'm in a bit of a mess, a bit of a pickle. Actually, the lowest possible point in my life says Jonah, but I will look again towards your holy temple. And if you look at, if you, if you read through the rest of Psalm 22 that was on Jesus' lips on the cross, um, do that uh, when you go home, it finishes uh, with hope. Starts in despair, but as Jesus communicates with God, the Father, uh, he comes through to a place of hope. And it's exactly the same with Jonah. I will return to Jerusalem where your holy temple is. I will praise you where you dwell on earth. And he said, I remembered you, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. He was determined to cling onto God. He trusted in God even before he'd seen the answers to his prayer. So he prayed this in the belly of the whale. So he had 
no absolute certainty that he would ever get out. He wasn't out. So it wasn't a retrospective prayer thanking God for deliverance. It was a prayer of hope saying, God, I know what you're like. He made that confession, didn't he, in, uh, in chapter 1 about who God was. And he does it again in chapter 4. He says, I know what you're like. You are compassionate. You are gracious. And I will hope. I will look again towards your holy temple. And there is always hope if God is in the picture. We must always pray and never give up. Now, if we had time, I'd probably take us to Luke 18, which is the prayer of the persistent widow, who went to a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And she cried out for mercy. And the judge basically turned a blind eye, but she was so persistent. So that the judge said, even though I neither fear God nor have any respect for men, I will grant you judge, uh, justice. I will grant you mercy. And then the, the parable G- that Jesus tells goes, goes on really to say that how much more God, how much more God will he bring justice for his people and will he bring it quickly? Not always immediately, but quickly. That God is attentive to the cries of uh, his people who are in distress. The cries for justice, the cries for mercy, the cries for help. And again and again, the psalmists, in their distress, hoped in the deliverance of God, that he would come through in the end. And we know the end of the story. We know that God does always come through. Not always in the way that they expect, not always in the way that we expect, but we mustn't let go of hope. If we lose hope, we lose everything. If we lose hope, we lose Jesus. And we lose life. And we looked at Psalm 42 just now, the first couple of verses. The refrain in Psalm 42 and 43, which really should be read together as one psalm, says this, uh, where the psalmist speaks to his soul and says, Why, soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? This is kind of a little bit of a pep talk to his soul. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will, again, I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And that's repeated three times in that psalm. Why, soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. So Jonah cries out in that gut-wrenching honesty to God in his moment of distress. And he does that because he has hope in God. He has hope in God. And then God does come through for him. From the depths and the darkness of the confusion, he cries out, God hears his cry, and God rescues him. So verse 2 of Jonah 2. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Again, another psalm, Psalm 34, verse 18, says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Verse 3 of Jonah 2 says, You listen to my cry. You listen to my cry. And there are a number of stories, you can probably think of many yourselves, in, the, in Scripture where we know it says that God listens to the prayer of his faithful, but that the answer doesn't come immediately. So we think of Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel prays, and the prince of Persia uh, prevents the answer coming. 
the, the, uh, a uh, demonic interference. We know that the cries of the uh, Israelites in Egypt reached the ears of God. And he heard them, but it took 40 years for Moses to come and rescue them. We know that in James chapter 5, the cries of the workers who had denied their wages have reached the ears of God. And that justice will come. But at the time James wrote the book of James, justice hadn't come. So God listens. He hears our cries. Be confident of that. God always hears our cries, even if the answer doesn't always come immediately. But for Jonah, it had come. Verse 6 says, you brought my life up from the pit, from that place of hopelessness and darkness and despair. And Jonah knows that God did it all. All Jonah did was cry out from the depths of his despair. And in our own salvation, we can bring nothing at all except our own sin. And Jesus takes it all for us and brings, it, brings us back to God. And this is the story of rescue in Scripture of God's people, that we do nothing and God does it all. This is our story, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Psalm 40 expresses it well. Uh, this is a psalm of David and a psalm of praise. And so many of the psalms are psalms of praise, aren't they? I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. So that sense of patience again, knowing that God would hear but being patient. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. So I'm sure Jonah had that psalm on his lips as well. Lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And Jonah responds, as this psalmist does, responds to God's mercy and God's rescue, salvation. He responds with thankfulness and praise. He called, the Lord answered, the Lord rescued him. And he turns this back to God in praise and thanksgiving. And let's never forget to do that. We cry out to God from the depths. God miraculously answers our prayer. Let's always go back and praise and thank him. And finally before we open it for a bit of discussion. There's that sense that Jonah had experienced firsthand now something of the grace of God through this prayer of desperation. And Jonah's life was changed. God had wanted his prophet, as we saw last week, to see and feel and touch, taste, encounter God's compassion. Wanted to transform uh, and um, convert his prophet. And he started with the prophet's own life. So he wanted to show Jonah what compassion was like and showed it to Jonah in his own, his very own life before he would show it uh, to Jonah in saving the Ninevites. And God was changing Jonah through trials and suffering. God was softening his heart and filling it with compassion. Jonah was beginning to understand this undeserved favor of God beginning to understand that God was ready to pour out his salvation on all people. And Jonah's crisis in chapter 2 was not in vain. It wasn't, ju- it wasn't just a sen- an interlude. God calls Jonah, Jonah disobeys, Jonah finally obeys, uh, and we pick up the story in chapter 3. None of this is wasted. Chapters 1 and 2 are not wasted. None of our pain and suffering and distress and despair is ever wasted. 
Nothing is ever wasted with God. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1, verse 7, and that is page 1217. 1 Peter 1, verse 7. 1217. And it says this. It's talking about trials, difficulties, testing. And Peter says to the churches, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. The sense that much of this God uses to refine us, to make us more like Christ, to help us take our eyes off ourselves and to focus our eyes on God. And that first chapter of Peter is all about that. It's a great one to meditate on and be encouraged by. And at the end of Jonah, the last couple of verses, eight and nine, Jonah confesses what he's learnt through his suffering. So Jonah has been through the mill, and at the end, it's almost a confession of faith for him. And he talks about those who cling to worthless idols, such as the idols of the sailors in, uh, in, chapters, in chapter 1. Those who cling to worthless idols. In the old NIV it said forfeit, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And this one says, turn away from God's love for them. If you cling to anything else, uh, then you turn away from God's love. And Jonah knew that he was clinging to the idol of, of nationalism, if you like, of a superiority of the Israel, Is, Israelite people. And he'd clung to that, and he knew he'd uh, gone away from God's love. And then verse 9, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This is the pivotal verse in the whole of the book of Jonah. Jonah's confession of salvation comes from the Lord. And there's no sense here that salvation is just for Israel, but salvation, full stop, comes from the Lord. It's not a right, it's not something Jonah earns, it's not something automatic for being an Israelite. But it's, nor is it something that's limited to people like Jonah, as we'll see when he goes to Nineveh. Salvation is the pure grace of God. And when Jonah had learnt all of this, uh, the big fish vomited him out onto dry land. So, honesty in prayer, hope in the faithfulness of God, God's deliverance as we pray... And then let's uh, not forget the encouragement that God uses difficult situations to change us. So thoughts and um, comments on that uh, before we go for coffee. And I didn't know there was cake, but um, I hope the Clothiers haven't eaten all the cake. Uh, So thoughts, and it'd be great for, um, if you did want to speak into the mic, just it's easier to for those with hearing loop, but also um, for the tape to pick up as well. Tape, it's a bit old school. The um, MP3 there. So how long it can take sometimes God to answer those prayers. So Jonah, he only had three days and three nights in the whale's stomach, um, but previously, you know, 40 years for Moses to arrive. What do you do in the meantime? Who do you listen to in the meantime in terms of, because you you know, if you're sat in a fish for three days, you're not just going to be saying one prayer. You're going to be thinking all the other things. What did I do? What can I do to make it better? Does anybody got any advice? 
<laughs> Great question. Thank you. And I think we can probably assume that this prayer that Jonah prayed was uh, part of his thinking. So it wasn't necessarily a spontaneous prayer. It's, it's where he'd got to after, after three days. But what do you do in the meantime? What do you do? In the, I think the challenge often is that we love to try and meet God halfway. We love to, to think that God does his bit and we do our bit. And I think Jonah, part of what Jonah had to learn was all, it's all the grace of God. A part of what Jonah, God wanted Jonah to learn was in terms of he needed to be changed. So often it's when we take our eyes off the situation and onto God and maybe allowing God to transform us. There's often work that he wants to do. But I think there is... There's, there's, there's a patience and a perseverance that is tough, that is tough. That's not easy. I mean, it'd be great if all our prayers, the longest we had to wait was three days and three nights to have our prayers answered. But I think the stories in Scripture are there to encourage us and not to discourage us that 40 years in, um, uh, for the Israelites in Egypt. And in the meantime, yeah, look to God, ask God, is there anything he wants to do in me? Uh, but also it's great to pray with others, to get to share burdens with others and get them to support us in prayer, like we're doing uh, for Charlotte on, um, on Friday night. That sense of we're not meant to carry these burdens alone, if that makes sense. Anyone else? It's interesting that you um, uh, mentioned there sharing things with others. Of course, Jonah doesn't really have a chance to do that here. Um, but uh, Life Group for the last uh, year and a half, uh, the one I'm in, that's kind of the thing it's given me, I suppose. Mm the opportunity to share whatever's going on in my life and understand that there are people who care about it, but equally to care about others' lives as well, which is, for me personally, more uh, you know, fulfilling, I suppose. But it's, um, it's that opportunity to realise we are part of the one body, as we just said again this morning. Brilliant. Thank you. Great stuff. Good plug for Life Groups as well, if you're not in one. Uh, Life Group sign-up Sunday, 16th and 23rd of September. But that's a common testimony, I think, from life groups. So encouraging that actually that sense of picture that's often used of a, a, a fire with coals. And if we're in that fire together, we keep warm. As soon as you take one coal out of the fire, uh, the heat goes incredibly quickly. And we're, not, we're meant to be in the fire of, of Christian fellowship, carrying one another's burdens. And life groups are a brilliant way to do that. Final thought. We never have as much time as I think we're going to have. I was thinking that it's something quite beautiful about how um, he's praying and he's, he's still in that situation. He's still in the belly of the fish, but he's praying and aware that um, even though he's in that situation, I think that's maybe an answer to the first question. Mm. Like part of the hope that we can look forward to that God has already, like salvation comes from the Lord and God has already done it. Um, and that's really beautiful I think and really powerful um, and much nicer than you've got to do it mm. um, much easier to kind of sit with so yeah great thank you let me close with a prayer and if, if uh, any of you are, are you kind of resonated with Jonah in that difficult time then whatever the situation is just hold it before the Lord uh, now and let me pray for all of us as we close. Lord, we thank you that salvation comes from you. And Lord, we pray for ourselves. Lord, we pray for honesty and prayer.
And Lord, pray for those of us going through rough times. Lord, that we'd lift those things to you. And Lord, grant each of us that gift of hope. Lord, let us never give up on hope. And Lord, let us never forfeit the uh, grace and love that could be ours from you. Lord, let us rest in your grace, knowing that you have done it and that we don't need to do anything. Father, give us the grace to persevere and to seek fellowship together. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.